Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I am your host, Julian Guderlei. And today I'm here with Derek Trowbridge. Welcome, Derek. Hey, thank you, Julian. Yeah, Derek, it's a pleasure to be on with you. You are um, active in the field of regeneration and regenerative soil consult consultation and also a winemaker. Have a, you have a big passion for, <laughs> for I guess, Sonoma County, right? That's that's where you're. Sonoma where County, you're, where yeah. You're, yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to hear all about it. Between from wine to to soil, and I know that we we were joking how hard to go on the science on this episode, and um, I I do I do think we want to go all in because when we talk soil and soil health and mycelium and fungi and the fungi kingdom and all of that, that a lot of us we're kind of starting to understand that this is a very important topic. But I don't think we really, as humanity, maybe at large, know a whole lot about that world. And so um, how did you find access to that topic? Was it through winemaking? Well, that's a great question. I mean, my access came from seeking. You know, I've always sought information, knowledge, hopefully wisdom. And, um, and early on, it was just in the form of farming. And so, you know, wanting to do the best for the vines, that, that I have, you know, I would often go to a thing called eco farm. So here in California, we've got a number of different things that happen for farmers. Eco farm has been going since the sixties and uh, it's, it's like an organic farmers sort of gathering and at a famous place in central California. And I learned there about the fungi, you know, Elaine Ingram, she was the one that coined the term, the soil food web. And really the one that I, and most people credit with, with creating this conversation that we're having today, she did it first and she, mm -hmm. she named it. And, um, and so I, I was there for the release of her information back in the late nineties. Um, you know, I've been farming for 35 years and, uh, and so, you know, I was into it and just loved it. it kept it in the back of my mind. Then I had fast forward, I had a, a vineyard that needed a lot of help. And that's what really brought me to fungi in an accidental way. I always say the best things happen by accident. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, they, they just do, I mean, hopefully not a real accident where something gets hurt. Yeah. But, it's, uh, it's, but it's true. Serendipity or synchronicity strikes when, when we're kind of looking, but we're basically just available. We're not obsessed with trying to get somewhere. Right. Well said. Absolutely. Yeah. And I had this, you know, and I can probably nutshell kind of how you opened here, in, in uh, hopefully a couple sentences. So I, you know, my family came to the, to California in the 1800s. My great grandfather, Giuseppe Martinelli planted this block in 1890 and fast forward to, um, 2008 when I start farming it and, uh, and the, the soils were dead. I mean, they'd been tilled for 120 years, whatever. And so then I started to use some of these things I learned from EcoFarm. You know, I didn't, I have a master's degree in winemaking and a bachelor's degree in viticulture. And nobody teaches you much about, you know, soil health in either of those topics. And that's kind of wild to think that, that <laughs> soil health is not a topic that's like front and center of any form of agriculture, any form of, you know, growing food or growing. Yeah. No. And not even not even biological control measures, you know, this is circa 1993, but today there's, there's more in the curriculums, but back then nothing, I had to ask my teacher if that was okay to do. And he was like, I guess so. You know? 
<laughs> okay, whatever. So, but, uh, but then I, you know, I didn't have any money and I needed to fix the soil. And so wood chips were what I could get for free, basically. And then I, I started to do this process and then it started to teach me how to use it. Took me about three years to learn that lesson, and um, and then I was finally comfortable with using it, and I could see the the the, the fruiting structures. You know, the, there's it, now we we I'm making this this is commercially somewhat commercially um, as a separate business called Soil Carbon Management, and uh, you know sequestering carbon is is really the game, but along the way we have to you know help farmers heal soil and and also grow crops. And we found that we've got 33 species of fungi in this material. And you can see the primordial ones. They don't come up as a mushroom. They come up as like mm. dog vomit. That's what it's actually called, literally. Oh, really? And it's, yeah, it looks like barf on the ground. Pretty like orange and yellow, weird colors. And you step in it and you spread the spores. See, that's that's their method. Before That's before mushrooms actually evolved. Mm. You know, I guess the fungi said, hey, let's... Let's create a fruiting structure and then drop the spores so that at least the wind can take them too and have a double double. Um, but like you said, fungi are their own their own family. Uh, and right, I mean, we're just really realizing that at large now. I mean, the um, I remember having Louis Schwarzberg, the producer of um, Fantastic Fungi, on on the podcast here, and you know, oh, wow. how how clear it was for him that like it's a whole kingdom. It's not like another plant, right? And it's, I think for most of us, it's like, well, fungi, I mean, what, what do you mean mushrooms, right? Like champignons or like portobellos, I, I buy them at the supermarket, right? And I mean, people that listen to to this podcast or, you know, are into um, the, the, the health of soil, I, I mean, you know, I assume that there is quite a bit more knowledge out there, but at large, I'm, I'm surprised by how little we all actually know about mushrooms and their 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 part in the regenerative cycle of life and biology in us and around us. Oh my God. And, you know, and that's growing fast, but it's coming from a real limited base. And, you know, New York times just like three days ago, put out an excellent article on uh, uh, a, a mycologist uh, along with uh, um, Melville, Melvin Sheldrake, Mar Marvin Sheldrake, you know, great, great writer. And, you know, a lot of great pictures. They did this amazing thing in the online piece of the article, uh, like there was a scroll through artwork kind of thing. It's just a unique, I've never seen the New York Times do anything like this. And I was really amazed. I mean, that reached a lot of people right there. So yes, you know, fungi are, are we're starting to understand there's more than just the mushroom, you know, and the mushrooms only like the tiniest bit that you ever see of the fungi is really the mycelium that are under the ground that are doing, you know, that are pulling the carbon out of the sky and, and keeping it there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then as far as I understand, I remember, uh, you know, going to certain um, yoga classes with Guru Singh and he kept telling everyone in this class um, that the forest, the banking system of the forest is the way of the future. And I remember that the way he said it, people were like, kind of, you know, like, you know how you people like to nod when someone says something really intelligent as if they understand, but you could tell no one, no one had an idea what he was talking about. But the more I, I dig my, my teeth into the, the topic of, you know, both carbon sequestration, which, you know, 
it's becoming a bit more popularized because you know there's there's lots of business models how to make how to make money with that you know how to how to create a carbon trade market and i'm i'm not even sure if that's necessarily the smartest way but to understand biology and the way sequestration happens and the way nutrient exchange happens in the soil and in fungi and seeing that you know and that's why we're having you on today seeing that that as also the results of that in the crops you're growing yeah. and in and in the end product you're creating i mean then we're really coming back to the feeling of it and our interconnection with biology because we're we're not just you know machines that are managing mm. input and output on uh, a thing called soil no this is like a living <laughs> process right this is an so it's really fascinating to to feel that also in a conversation like this well and god you said so much right there i mean the first the, the last thing that came to mind was humic substances they're a thing that it, you know, you know, when we take that manufacturing plant mindset and apply it to soil, we get the agriculture that we got, which has destroyed the carbon that was in the soil. Mm. Now farmers are farming 0.05 percent uh, uh, organic matter. You know, be, before the the uh, industrial revolution or before before the World War One, one, you know, farmers were using carbon. After that, we got machines and better living through chemistry and the green revolution, mm. uh, which are paradigm two. And that was the, the biggest destruction of humic substances uh, that, the, that this, the world ever saw. And what that means is humic mm. substances are something that's, they don't even know how to define them. They're even less definable than fungi. And uh, and they're they're probably the most ge soil geeky thing to talk about, and mm. um, and they go away the, the most easy. But but I w I wanted to throw them in there because, you know, what you're saying that we can't have a manufacturing view of soil is really true. Once soil life comes back, then at a subsequent date later down the road, you get human su humic substances. They're a formation from life, and you know. It's a it's a big term, but there's fulvic acid and humic acid and humus, which are carbon based. And they're life and they're they're durable up to a thousand plus years. Um, and that's what you know soil had more often than you know before the before it was plowed, before it was disc, before there was tillage, which oxidizes the carbon, throws it back up in the atmosphere. And that's what we've done. Agriculture is in the top five gross polluters of carbon because of that reason. But right. they're yeah. also the solution, you know, uh, fungi are probably the keystone species to bring that carbon back into the soil. But, uh, and I'll finish with this. I always say that we're, you know, we paid the petroleum industry to put carbon into the atmosphere. We all did, right? And we still are. We're going to have to pay someone to bring it back down. And probably that's going to be farmers. Um, and going into the soil would do humanity a whole lot of good not only would it take it out of there but it's also going to produce a lot of, a lot of food um mm -hmm. that's really the best the best thing that i could imagine from where i'm sitting yeah i i, lo I love that and i didn't feel like we went too deep into the science you know so this is this <laughs> great i do have to admit you know humic substances this is the first <laughs> time i'm really understanding that that's a term terminology but I, I just pulled it up too organic compounds that are important components of humus the major organic fraction of soil and uh, coal so yeah i mean we're all we've got a lot to learn going forward but this is what fascinates me the most about regeneration especially when we apply it to regenerative agriculture and and you know um the, the soil health of well the health of the soil of our planet and 
is that even though we, you know, undoubtedly have done a lot of damage in the form of pollution, both into the atmosphere as well as into the soil, as, as well as like, I mean, straight up just, you know, if you think of Roundup or any form of pesticides, straight up poison into our food and water systems, um, or, or, you know, the, the whole world is covered with concrete and plastic. Like those are pretty big undertakings that we've, you know, as humanity facilitated or done in the last, you know, 150, 200 years. And usually those are total doomsday topics and like, a, you know, dark rain clouds are brewing up as, as you speak about it. And, and, you know, some people are like logging out of this conversation right now because they're like, wow, where are they going? <laughs> but th this is kind of where I see that turnaround point is that the, you know, and that's why I see regeneration as a principle of life. The principle of life is so much more powerful than all of this destruction. We just got to mm. find our way back to it and understand that we are an integral part of it. It's like miracles are awaiting nonstop, but we only really get to access that when we recognize who we are, that we are an organic species on an organic planet. And, and therefore, you know, it's, it's about life, like literally life itself. Oh man, that's so beautiful. The, the, so if we, what you said earlier about, you know, what I termed the, the manufacturing view is really just, uh, uh, you're, we're just looking at the tip of the iceberg. Really the truest way to say it is machine mind. We often approach things with this machine mind mm. as if we can put these pieces together and we got something that's going to work. And we just haven't realized how we've done a lot of destruction with that when we thought we were creating. And, you know, the term regenerative is so perfect because it, it is just that you, you, you let Nate, you know, I, I, the, the term nature is difficult for some people to hear. And some it gets used in so many ways. I'm often reticent to use it, but if you, are in a natural setting and let's say you're in a farm and you're trying to, you know, bring in what we call biomimicry, bring in, you know, what, what nature was already set up to do before we changed it. Um, it comes back so fast, uh, amazingly. So miraculously. So, as you said, and I'm sitting here with 12 years of experience of those miracles. I mean, just what we've done is remarkable. And I mean, places that wouldn't grow a cover crop, man, I mean, there was no carbon and the, so, so, so then you got water issues, right? The soil is not right. letting water percolate. It's not rebuilding the aquifer. It's not holding water for the plants. And these are dry farm, meaning no irrigation plants. And so it, we've just turned it over. And what I tell everybody about using this is it's drought proofing, you know, farmers will, will do it for these reasons. You're drought proofing your farm. And you can never fully drought proof, but it's like drought resistance. You add the carbon, then the soil for every 1%, here's a, here's a science number, for every 1% organic matter that we raise the, the soil in an acre of land, we store 27,000 gallons worth of water. That's a significant achievement. And, and yeah, with our product huge. that we... You know, we've been raising, uh, you know what, and with that, for those that are still with us, uh, I don't know if you know about four per thousand, the number four PER, the number 1000.org came out of France uh, from the Paris Climate Accord. They're saying that if you, if we can take all the farmland, just farmland, because farmland is a small amount compared to rangeland and forest land, but just farmland across the whole world, if we can raise the organic matter by four per thousand or 
0.4%, then we will negate human emissions for that year. And, and, and that's a pretty amazing thing to say. And with what we're doing in, in our soils with regenerative farming, we're raising from one to 4% the organic matter. So that's three, four times or 10 times the amount of what they're calling for. So um, it's, it's definitely doable. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is the whole thing about these narratives, um, you know, climate change, pollution, et cetera, is that when they're held in such a, you know, Cartesian worldview where things are all separated, little machine buttons, as you just said, the way that that like the, the old world view paradigm kind of goes, then yeah, they're, they're very drastic, very problematic, um, complex situations that we've maneuvered ourselves into. And I'm not saying they aren't, like, it is, but, but the, the, the way that climate change has turned into a narrative of doomsday and a narrative that, that it basically disempowers was actually one of the reasons I started this podcast was to have the conversations with people that are living or embodying a form of regeneration in their, in their work, in their practice, in their business, in their art, in their books, mm -hmm. because I really believe that, you know, there are, to every problem, there are hundreds of solutions and it's just a matter of, you know, are we able to move to the consciousness of where the solution takes place or the, the receptivity to where the, the, the solution takes place? And so when you talk about four per thousand, and I, I just pulled it up and I'll make sure to, to link it out as well. Um, you know, that's one of the simplest ways to, to bring equilibrium to the human footprint at the moment. And, and so that's what I tried to say earlier too, with biology is, is all about life. Like the, the regeneration is all about life. It's, it's not about reducing things to a zero and a one or our, you know, at least in the, in the very public, very uh, uh, technocratic narrative in this, this idea that we need to find the, the fixes. We need to find the, the machines, the, the technology to fix all this. And then, you know, to a degree, there, there are parts of that that I, I would agree with, but to a large degree, it, it just makes me very skeptical. It's like, how, how is technology and machines going to fix everything when we're living again on an organic planet where, of course, I appreciate certain levels of technology, um, but I, I think we are the original technology, you know, we, we, as, as in, that's what yoga has taught me over the, over the years. And, and so I get the feeling from, you know, watching the world stages and, and seeing the, the cultural uprising of many people, if that's through podcasts or you know, back in the day, blogs or, or just being out on the street that many people are actually realizing, wait a second, these solutions can't come from governments and corporations only. They have to be embodied by us in the way we connect to life itself. And so I want to ask you, Derek, like if you, if you were to, were to just point at like one or two examples of where you've seen this happen, you know, I, I know you, you consult in that space of, of soil health as well. You, you shared the example of your own um, winery and that, and that project and um, called Old World Winery. And what other examples do you know of where the regeneration of, of soil or, or bringing back that, that biological principle of life happened because people simply were curious enough to, to match with the solution and to, 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 to bring that out into the world? Uh, well, you know, we were talking about, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, take a bigger lens on that question we were talking earlier about coaching and and you know breath work and meditation and those kinds of things and i think that 
if there is a popularity to that now, which certainly it's far more than ever it was before, um, I think it's because people are seeking something higher. You know, I got a master's degree and what I realized was it's just reductionist science. Let's go find the thing that's beneath the thing that the thing, thing, and then let's fix the smallest Mm -hmm. thing. And then everything will be fixed on the things that are on top of the smallest thing. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't, you know, we can just go straight to, um, to physics and, uh, uh, Oh God, it's escaping me right now. I want to call it nebulous, but that's, that's not it. The, um, the term for, um, well, anyway, I'll, I'll let that go. But when they start poking around into the, the vacuole, into the, the, the actual smallest parts of the cell, they realize that nothing acts correctly as they would expect. The nucleus. Yeah, the nucleus. So, so they, they created that term that uh, I can't believe I'm not remembering it, but anyway, it's already been a long day for me. Um, Anyway, I'll think of it later, but, uh, but there's a term for it. And so science has already proved that, that you get to the smallest thing and there's no thing. There's something else. We don't know what it is. Well, life, what is life made of? You know, that's a pretty existential question. And um, I, I see that people are changing, not maybe some older people, younger people, certainly, you know, my customer for natural wine is, is, you know, a younger person they're doing things differently. They're not spending all their money on rent or, or buy, I mean, rather buying a house. They're, they're living the life they want. I call that a regeneration. That's not, way different than, you know, I'm 50, whatever, 53. My generation was, you know, you, you go for success and sacrifice and I'm still just pulling out of that mindset. And, um, and that, that's a regeneration. It takes mm-hmm. me to pull out of. And so those are maybe the non-physical ways, but certainly soil uh, um, and some of, you know, what people are doing with with uh, with food. I mean, food's the most important thing, right? What you take in, you know, what the difference between if a food is a medicine or a poison. Um, that's a big question for each of us to, to, to ask before it's coming in. And I think now we have much more access, uh, not everywhere. But certainly in my area and others, there's much more access to food that is more like medicine, um, where that was really limited even 20 years ago. And really available just like 80 years ago, right? Yeah, you yeah. said it right there. Yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting that you you took that question and brought it back to just uh, social and generational phenomena because I very much agree with that. And it's one of the reasons this podcast didn't turn into like a, uh, regenerative agriculture niche, um, because I think this this change is really happening on a society level, and everyone relates to it differently. We can very likely all point back at what we keep calling regeneration as again an intelligence or a principle of life, where where life is operating in a certain way, and humans that orient towards that, and that that are able to, as you said, kind of uncouple from the systematic way how things were done for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. now that principle of life takes over and it takes over in our social fields. It takes over in, in, in the art we create, it takes over in the books we write, it takes over in, in, at some point in the economy we build. And I think that's like the last frontier. We were recording this conversation in 2022 where, you know, yeah, fingers crossed this idea of the, the, the banking system of the forest, 
Maybe maybe oh, we're yeah. able to model, uh, you know, our own economic systems after what biology shows us, rather than this like win lose uh, top of the food chain kind of game that we have right now. And it might be that biology wins over economy, you know, mm. over where we 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 revalue biology. Uh, that's probably going to be essential because if we if we're strictly valuing money, which has been the case. And it's gotten us where we are, mm -hmm. then we are missing life. And so we're in adversarial relationship with life. And that's brought us what we've done to the planet now and the amount of toxins, you know, and cancer, you know, that, that is on the rise. Probably we could also say, in addition to those things you mentioned, that regeneration may, you know, need to be coming to how we're governed, how we want to be governed. What do we decide? I mean, clearly right now, it looks like we're losing every year more and more uh, protections, more li civil liberties, you know. And so, how does that work for us? How do you know where does that want to where we want to go with that? I know that I'm having a regeneration. What I think leadership is, and and how I want to lead myself, and then you know how I want to express that in the great for the greater good. And that's there's probably some difficult years ahead in that regard. But meanwhile we can be building biology through regeneration and that pays dividends way beyond, you know, um, it, you know, it gives you something uh, in, uh, intrinsic that you can actually eat as far versus something, you know, with the whole fight between crypto and regular currency, you know, you, you could be having something that's devalued in two years and the, all that, that you put into that is gone and but biology i feel like my capital it's funny that you said the bank of the forest i love that term i always joke because you know i'm i we're, have a small business and you know we do okay but i always tell told everybody that my bank is my pile of mulch because that's mm -hmm. growing microbiology and that grows on its own i don't have to do anything to it you know, really after a certain point. And so, and then I put it on the soil, it does its, its job. It's, we've created something that, that again, creates upon itself and grows faster other than, you know, being a part of a banking system that we may or may not agree with, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love the way you just used the word regeneration there a few sentences ago with I'm experiencing or I'm having a regeneration, right? Like that's very true. I mean, in biology, it's the, regeneration is the i'm just pulling up a definition here like the natural process of replacing or restoring damaged or missing cells right? tissues organs and even entire body parts so like yeah if we're having a, a, a if we're experiencing regeneration in um the context of who we are as people and how we relate to old systems or the way we used to do things it's just we're replacing um certain old structures and certain old worldviews with things we've learned like it's it's actually describing in a certain way of looking at it the process of of adaptation of growth of mm. you know of, of of amending how we do things on planet earth and yeah i mean it's time for it you mentioned leadership and you know how how civil liberties are, are being taken away over the last few years and i think this is you know shaken and touched almost every single person on the planet in the last two years and so as, as as drastic as it is in certain ways it's also it also you know that the the more draconian governments and uh big pharma or big tech are the more people wake up 
and at that point at some point the 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 power of the people you know not the the bloody revolution but the power of the people that is just like wait a second what if we just all said no thank you that becomes very tactile very visible right mm-hmm. and it not even talking about specific steps of the last two years or or, or you know uh, pharma companies cashing in on you know uh, on, on 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 human health but um or human disease but but even for anything that that we've built so far that is that is very true like we we can literally simply say no to the way we've overused and produced plastic we can simply say no to the way we have you know i mean the united states of america is a really good example They're like 60 percent of its economy run on war i mean what what's this about you know right um and so everyone kind of knows these things but we all for the longest time, not all of us, but many of us have just kind of, well, can't talk about that. It's just like a big, right. a big, big blue elephant in the room, right? <laughs> and so it's quite fascinating to watch that form of regeneration on the planet, like the mm. the transformation that is, you know, and it's it's somewhat somehow happening. I really truly have faith in that. And 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 there's like a process that's changing, right? But I want to form this into a question and more like a question that takes us a, a tiny bit out of this current context of, you know, uh, our generation or gen- generations that are listening. But I want to go straight into um, younger generations and youth and the education systems. So, Derek, if you were to remodel and regenerate the education systems, you know, you got like total creative control here. It's either you alone or you with the experts you choose and budget is infinite. What would you do? Wow. That's a really fantastic question. And, you know, first thing that comes up to me is anyone, you know, who is really trying to hold some integrity would say, well, you know, I'm not a pro about that, but I have some ideas about how to start. And, my kids, yeah. <laughs> you know, where would you my, start? <laughs> right. My kids went to alternative schools um, and learned some different things. You know, the Waldorf curriculum is great. It's not for everybody. It doesn't, it's not all, it's not perfect for all people. But, you know, remarkably, my daughter got accepted to a college called College of the Atlantic in Maine. And what a truly remarkable uh, place. Uh, they, they're the ones that are basically perhaps single-handedly holding the space for this energy. I mean, I think that the people that are coming from that place are probably our future, you know, uh, people that are going to help, you know, fix this scenario that's that's at at work. And I don't know why, other than they invite every study of the biological into the experience of teaching about principle, for instance, or any other general Mm -hmm. education because, you know, we are, our environment is key to our being. And in the, you know, I won't profess to, to know a lot about indigenous culture. I know some indigenous people and I know a bit about it. But the worldview, especially there's a, you know, a great book called uh, the, the, the Power of Myth by um, Joseph, uh, not Conrad, Joseph Campbell. And, um, and it really talks about how on the out, outer side of the indigenous person, there is nothing that's not them. They view themselves as one with the other mm-hmm. because 
if you don't do that, then you can destroy the other so easily. You're in so, adversarial relationships. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. I mean, and this is this is you know, Chief Seattle said this when he was kicked off his land back in Washington in Seattle. Um, and he said, you guys are kicking everybody off land. You put up your fencing, you have your rifles and you're, you don't see that you're in adversarial relationship. He, he didn't say adversarial relationship, but he said it his own way mm-hmm. with the, 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 with the, the very earth that will care for you. And that will be your undoing. And, uh, you know, you could say today we're seeing that. So the environment is really key to that, to, to the education, the next education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so such a beautiful truth bomb that you just uh, you know dropped there. I mean, it's 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 just it's just so real, you know. When when you said like that that little sidestep there of like, well, and I don't want to claim that I'm an, an expert in, in indigenous studies, right? And then at the same time, though, what you're sharing is so true and so resonant that you know I'm 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 questioning how we come to do these. Um, I guess their their attempts to uh, admit the humility that we are not all knowing, right? It's a very it's a very it's a very human thing we do at this stage of our society. I got interviewed myself today on a podcast and yesterday actually as well. And both of these people asked me about my learnings with the indigenous people of this world, and I'm like, oh wow, here we go again. The topic yeah. that I know that whatever I say, someone's going to judge me for just being a, another, you know. Uh, white guy or you know German born in my case you know that who's talked but but this aside like the indigenous people of Brazil that I, I last had to spend well the indigenous people a group of indigenous people of the Huni Queen in in Brazil that I last had the privilege to spend time with and and went into a deep medicine immersion their message to us is literally what you just said is like recognize that you too are indigenous to this planet uh-huh. if you don't recognize that you're lost. And then here we all are, kind of, you know, like, oh, no, but I don't want to be the expert on this. Like, no, no one's calling anyone an expert, right? We, we just have to really reconcile the way we dare to stand for what we know is true. And that's the same with leadership. That's the same with pollution. That's the same with all of that, that, that BS, right? Is somehow we've, we've become a society that, um, that fears truth because it, it, it can be radically liberating (laughs) oh my god that that is so great like and so true i mean i there's i've always felt in my mind i don't say it outward as much because it's not it doesn't it has a context and it doesn't land well with with certain people's plenty of people um but i mean we all so okay backing up a, a book by martin prechtel i don't know how to pronounce his name I think it's P-R-E-C-H-T-E-L, uh, shaman, uh, out of, he's a, he self-determined half-breed who went to Guatemala to learn, learn to be a shaman. And this book's called uh, The Unlikely Peace at Shushumakik, which is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either, but, uh, um, but it, the most amazing book, and it, it, it allowed me to understand my whiteness in a way that I'd never understood before. And what I really got by the end of that book is that we all have to re-indigenize ourselves. I mean, because mm-hmm. I, I was an indigenous person once. My my DNA goes back to an indigenous person. Your DNA goes back to an indigenous person. We are all um, conquered peoples. 
Okay, so we are just now seeing the most recent conquered peoples and seeing what that looks like. But that happened to us a long time ago. And so for me to get out of machine mind, which came up earlier in this podcast, I need mm-hmm. to understand my direct relationship with my environment and re-indigenize myself so that I am less of a machine and more of an actual human. And an actual human is a compassionate person. And and that's where the word indigenous becomes so interesting because you know, in the political correctness bubble, we, we want to only <laughs> reserve that to people that look like they are indigenous to Na- Native America or, or, or the Amazon in Brazil or Peru. But really indigenous would mean in, in the way we're just exploring it right now is, is, is this understanding that we're one with the environment. That's we're right. one with the planet. And once we lose that, as you said a few minutes ago, then only then we're able to harm, destroy, pollute, and exploit the environment, right? And so um, for everyone who's followed all the way into this part of the episode, and that's really clear, <laughs> like that, that is actually so liberating because it means now that I recognize, you know, the, the way my, my, um, my chai, my friend, Bane, who, who, who was the one who's like, remember your indigeneity, the, one of the Huni Queen elders told me like, remember your indigeneity. Like that's, that has nothing to do with 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 looking Native American or or or, or you know Native right. Brazilian. It's nothing to do with that. It has to do with understanding, not even necessarily the bloodline of where I come from, but simply as you said, I'm a human being on planet Earth, and therefore I'm one with the planet Earth and the ecosystem. And when, once I understand that, sure, we live in a paradoxical society, so we still might create some harm with some of our purchases and actions, but we will unmistakably search and seek for reconciling that. And that's what we really, really need people to commit to. I mean, that's really what regeneration is all about is, is once that clicks, then, you know, we, maybe we haven't won the first, the first half of the game, but we're going to win the game, you know? Yeah. It's the only, it's, it's the only game. And I love that reconcile. You're reconciling the, the rehabilitation, the regeneration of your own relationship, be living in right relationship whatever that looks like Mm. for each of us. I mean, I think when we use that, when we throw out indigenous terms, we, it's easy to forget all the pain that's there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that has to also be understood, but, uh, but we can also understand our own indigeneity and how important that is and, and live amongst the pain that's there. And we don't have to, you know, we don't have to necessarily, um, just acknowledge it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and then to just understand that living in right relationship with ourselves, with those around us, you know, um, is perhaps the, the highest thing a person can do. And mm-hmm. humility is, is not one of the um, personality traits that has really caught on in this country very, very well. And, uh, you know, I've uh, literally, you know, just personally, I've, had to heal my own arrogance and you know i do that every day there's it's not an you don't get to a destination where it's healed it's just a continuum and uh but it's but it's really hard to to understand what humility is and and why it's important and that that is probably the opposite uh, sorry arrogance is the opposite of what we're talking about getting back to your own indigenous self humility is the indigenous self realizing that you're not bigger than the environment 
it is bigger than you. You are a product of it. It is not a product of you. Brilliant. And I, and I love that you brought up the word humility again. So I agree with you. Same here. I had to definitely learn and, 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 and understand where, you know, like a healthy self view happens and how, uh, where an arrogant self view happens and how to, you know, reconcile that and change that. I do, I do believe all of us go through that actually. But when you look up the word humility and look at the etymology of the word humility, it goes back to the word humus, which means soil or earth, right? So I didn't know that. Yeah. So I I'm a total that. language geek and I did just pull it up to make sure That's I'm not cool. like, making this up. But so there is something to the word uh, humus, which is earth, and then the word um, humble that, that relates to each other, right? So really we're saying the same thing as in several minutes that even the word humility in its right context would mean that we're recognizing humbly that we're one with the earth. And that like, as you said, all of the pain that was caused to people that actually are living in indigenous bloodlines, um, like, yeah, this pain is, we've, we've all done it to ourselves. Like this is, I don't know anyone who doesn't feel this pain. Most people mask this pain right? But it's like, if you don't feel depression or, or, or a form of sadness at times on this planet right now, then you're probably just not paying attention. Yeah. And, and, and so like, you know, I, I could just ask that, that back to you, Derek, it's like, so let's talk about some of those difficult feelings. I mean, I'm pretty sure we, we're all in this together just as much, right? So how do you, what do you, what, 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 how do you deal with things like loneliness or anxiety or depression? Like, how does that occur to you and, and, and how do you transform it or how do you honor it? Whew. Well, I mean, I, I, I've had anxiety since I was a kid. Probably the hardest thing to heal uh, and, and on your own. I mean, I think it's, it's good to ask for help, you know, on these things, whatever help may look like for people. Um, you know, I think that a compassion understanding, I mean, a lot of times we shy away from things that create discomfort, both our own emotions, our own thoughts, but also in the visual plane. And that might be why homeless people are so upsetting for, for people. Um, and instead of, you know, anger about it or judgment, having compassion, I think that's, the first way to to approach healing emotions that are very difficult um and you know you can't just force yourself to have compassion a good way to have compassion is to just start understanding okay well what's let's take a homeless person for instance okay what this person's on the street what's going on they're addicted to something perhaps um mental issues perhaps well i could imagine something probably happened early on in their life that actually destroyed a potentially a perfectly good person that was born, whatever, wasn't raised, whatever. And so now we have this, instead of just saying, asshole, get a job, you know, that doesn't work or just get a house. That doesn't work. You can't even put them together. Um, we're learning how hard it is uh, with that example um, that it's way bigger than most of us understand. So the, the point is not that I'm correct in what I just offered. The point is, there's a, a process to get yourself to some compassion to understand the situation. Asking a few more questions creates understanding, gets us, you know, up the ladder or down the ladder, depending um, to to a place of understanding. And 
I struggle with that every day because, you know, not only am I sad about the news, but I'm also sad about what I see and what I know. And um, <laughs> these are difficult times. Mm-hmm. They are. So uh, there's, you know, it's not anything that I ever um, really wanted to, uh, you know, it's like, especially as men, we're, you know, we just don't show emotion. That's typically the best way when you're young, right? And so I guess I'm, Leading by example, you know, allowing yourself to feel, you know, what's not right. And and then you feel through that and the healing can come through that. It's not that it's healed. It's that this energy that's in me doesn't have to build into every moment. So like right now, I just felt something. I don't really know what it was, but it's intense. That doesn't have to guide my next moment. You know, and when we're not feeling, when we're ignoring things, then uh, it makes us more apt to snap in a different moment or something else or judgmental or whatever. And I think that, you know, whatever makes you sad, shine, if you see yourself shying away from something, that's an indicator. Okay, what just happened there? You know, I don't, I don't want to feel discomfort. I don't want to embarrass myself by crying, getting angry, shouting, whatever. And, um, but in those moments, that's probably the most important thing to do. And that's not easy to, to say, and, and you know, with our society now. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that went very real, really fast. I really appreciate you, um, dropping in there and, you know, it, you're, you're right. These are challenge, challenging times and, um, they, they might get even more challenging, right? From an environmental as well as from a social com- complexity that we've already kind of stacked up. And I think we've really demystified in this episode also, like partially why that is and, and how simple the pathway through is when we're committed to it. It, it doesn't mean it's only going to be easy, but the pathway through is quite simple because it brings us back to the organic intelligence inherent in all of life, inherent within our own bodies, but as you said, even with, with emotions, like experiencing them is very important and allowing ourselves to express them is very important without letting them take, you know, to take over. And, you know, this, this world, I believe, is, is so challenging to many of us because of how paradoxical it is and because of how much we're all connected, as we talked about 10, 15 minutes ago when we, when we ventured into the topic of indigeneity. We, we all deep down understand we're one with everything. But we're we're still operating like a Cartesian, you know, uh, um, yeah, like a robber. We're, we're plundering and exploiting yeah. as a as a species. With that's how we treat the soil. That's how we treat the animals. That's how we treat the waterways. That's how we treat each other. And and so even if I don't do this actively, I passively do so by buying a new Google phone or a new iPhone. Right? <laughs> and so that's why we're deeply troubled on a psychological level because talking about this. And admitting this is, is somehow very difficult 
because it means we have to really make different choices. And, you know, this is, this is a big part of, of why I started the podcast, because I believe that over a short or long, we will make different choices. And, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's very unfortunate if we have to go through more hardship, but then, then that's going to be the path. And over a short or long humanity or the, that's what's left of humanity will, will pick up in alignment with those natural principles. Mm. Right. So I have this strong faith in this, in this as a reality. Uh, you know, um, and, and, and we need to be prepared for things looking way different than we think they're going to look. And, um, you know, the, the, the Maori people, you know, the indigenous people from uh, Australia, um, they have a saying that uh, I study with a teacher and, and mm. I learned this there um, that the, the leader calls out what's the most important thing in the world. Sorry, and just, gather- to, just to drop in, New Zealand, not Australia, right? I'm sorry, New Zealand. Yeah, I'm yeah, just right? catching it in the moment. Okay, don't forget where the message was, though. Actually, I'm not sure. I think I thought they were in both places. but And um, that's very I, possible, you know? But but New Zealand, for sure. Okay, so let's be correct. And, uh, and the leader says, um, what's the most important thing in the world? And the, the gathered village says, it's the people, it's the people, it's the people. They don't say it once, they say it three times. By the third time, you kind of get the meaning of what they're trying to say. It's like, it's really that. But that is mm-hmm. potentially one of the simplest things, uh, simplest ways to look at something that's super important. And I think we should be prepared for the potential that people are the most important thing in the world because we're the ones capable of doing the most destruction. Clearly, mm-hmm. it's already happening. And then also, perhaps I myself, my emotions and the way I handle myself are more important than, you know, the electric car that I want or, you know, whatever material, you know, technology that I think I need to make my life easier that I may or may not be able to afford. And there could be, just throwing this out there, the, 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 in the future that that has to be much more valued. And, um, and it doesn't, doesn't mean that we say other people have to value me that way. It's how I change myself. I change myself, then I change the world. That finding that level of valuing and seeing ourselves, even if others don't see ourselves this way, and having that relationship with who we truly are as one with all of life, that that is so much more important than the accomplishment on the outside. And we're primed to... And, you know, external world first kind of uh, paradigm and and gratification. And I would add to this actually, Derek, that because I really like where you just went, um, that only when we have a delusional self-view that is based on others' opinions about us, only then are we manipulatable by media, by governments, by people in, in... in, in the position to manipulate because when you know who you are because we're the people the people the people then you know i mean someone can try to do something with you but you'll just be a clear and a firm no thank you to that you know and so i think that's part of the process we're all going through and, and this is maybe why you know you lost your train of thought there because it's, it's it's moving it's deep it's it's yeah i feel i feel you on it you know it's it's very real and we're we're processing this in real time you know, and 
I want to ask one last question and you, you kind of made a bit of a, a future pointing, um, uh, you know, you shared something future pointing there, but the question that I like to ask is what is your dream for the planet earth and the seven generations that come after us? Well, it probably gets right back to that, you know, that we realize that tools are tools and they're going to look like how they look, but they, they aren't actually the important thing. Um, and the, the people, how the people operate their governance, how they handle their environment, meaning how they grow plants and, and food um, is the most vital thing. Um, that that can happen. And I had written, by the way, that just reminds me, I'd, I'd been taking some notes because I, I've been forgetting a lot as we've seen on this. Um, it came out of the, the, we had four years of fire in a row and intake, uh, we work outside. I, I took a lot of uh, chemical compounds that I'm trying to get out. It's affecting the hippocampus and um, it's not good. But the most vital thing you, you mentioned earlier, how humus and humility were, uh, you know, similar. And I think that, that that humus is the most vital thing on the soil. And humility is perhaps one of the most vital things we can actually have. Hmm. And, and, and from that comes understanding. If you're, if you're humble, you can have understanding understanding because you have fewer blocks when in, in arrogance when i think i know something like i did when i got my master's degree i'm blocking a lot of things because i think i know something and so i would say you know in the coming years for the seven generations coming you know seeking what is the most vital for for each of us in our own you know in our own selves will be the key because that's going to be the new stability, you know, in, in all the mm -hmm. instability that's, that's here and, and the, the much more that's coming, you know, the new stability will be a different way. It has to be it just because it, it's, you know, it, <laughs> it has to be. And so that mo most vital component that, which would be the humus in the soil and probably humility, compassion in, in the person understanding, um, I think is, a big challenge for anyone to have uh and and um and learn and um would be perhaps one of the greatest things that could happen because from those components it's hard to go wrong unless you just make a mistake but there's not you haven't put together a whole premise of lack of understanding that's then guiding and leading the whole planet on a direction that's annihilation and that's where we're at. And so coming back to having understanding of each other, of environment, uh, and coming back to that most vital component, I think is, is really what I would, how I would offer that, um, amazing question. Thank you for asking that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that answer. Uh, and thank you for your your shares on this podcast episode i really enjoyed our episode here together uh i'm gonna make sure to link out a few things you shared um to point people at oldworldwinery.com if they want to explore the wines and 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 that part of your work and um yeah where else can people connect or find you yeah that's great uh you know if you want to send me a message derek d-a-r-e-k at oldworldwinery.com 
Um, that's one way. And then also uh, soilcarbonmanagement.com is really a little bit more about, you know, working with uh, so, uh, uh, carbon sequestration in soil and what we're trying to do with that. Um, and it's it's in development. So it's, it's going to need people, you know, these kinds of things, regenerative uh, food, thinking, you know, regenerative biology, for people that want that, they're going to need to support it um, both, you know, in their spending and also in their own desire and learning. Uh, so anyone that's that's still here with us and peaked, you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot of things to find doing some searches. So I would, and we, we've given a number of books here that I think would be key on that on that path. Thank you so much, Derek, for your time. Man, thank you for doing this. What a great conversation. I've had a lot of podcasts and this is definitely by far the deepest one. I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for, for doing this. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay, I, I don't... Oh, I'm not the host, so I, I don't know how to stop the recording. I'm just going to let them know that at the end, okay. I cut this snippet off. Thank cool. you so much. Like for real, I got to hop in two minutes here because I got a, a few more things to do, but this was, this was a great organic conversation. We really covered some like real life uh, moments there. Yeah. And I hope you get, you know, a, a lot more action and podcasts out of that. You know, I just thank you for creating this conversation and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully people, you know, it, it starts thinking in a different direction. I'm just super pleased to hear that someone's having this conversation. I'm so glad that I could be you a did. part of it. <laughs> you just had that I'm conversation happy to be a part yeah thank you my yeah that's yeah and, and you see this is why I, that's one of the things i've learned about podcasting and broadcasting so for one the word cast is in it which is a magic word right we're, we're casting a spell when we're doing this so i don't know i never thought I, about that yeah what is it well what do you think a broadcast is you're casting a spell on people nationwide or globally uh -huh. Oh shit! I never yeah, thought it's a about broadcast. That. It's literally, in, I mean, you know, this is the benefit when you're a second language, um, because you just see these things. We're like, wait a second, this is kind of an interesting one, isn't it? Like Harry Potter casting a spell, and so yeah. and so, like, yeah, you're casting the spell and you're broadcasting it, even if only a hundred people listen or a thousand people listen. It's still in the airwaves of of what planet Earth was today, and not yeah. just today. Someone could tune into that a year from now and therefore reactivating this event and this moment right now. And so it's it's quite interesting uh, over 300 episodes into that where, you know, at some points your, your consciousness is all, or my consciousness was all like, I need to get as many listeners as possible and I need to yep. be the biggest podcaster. And, you know, I let go of that. And, and, and then I realized where the value is. It doesn't mean I don't want certain things to grow bigger so that it can reach and impact even more people, but but it's about this quality where we tapped in today. And I really, uh, I really appreciate that we did. And, you know, it's, there is some things that clicked for me as well in this conversation. Right on. <laughs>